When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Champions League adventure is over, but the fallout and the discussion over what comes next for Celtic will go on for quite some time yet. Entry into the group stages of Europe's elite competition has evaded Celtic for a third successive year after that disappointing 2-1 home loss to Ferenc Varos on Wednesday night. Record sports Michael Gannon was at Celtic Park to see the nightmare unfold and he joins the podcast this week to look at events on the pitch and some of the stuff which happened off it afterwards. It's the Europa League draw for Celtic next week. There's a home game against Motherwell in the quest for 10 in a row next on the agenda on Sunday and these will all be covered in the next half an hour or so but Michael, there really is only one place to begin. Um, you've had some hours, you've had some time to digest, reflect on on the events of, of Wednesday night at Celtic Park, what, what conclusions have you come to? Well, yeah, I've had some time to kind of um, digest it, but I still can't quite get my head around um, what happened uh, last night. I mean, it was, I, I mean, it's a, in, in football in terms, it was a, a disaster, wasn't it, for Celtic? Um, going out in the second round phase, it's the earliest of going out of Europe, uh, Champions League, um, for 15 years. I think Art Media British Lava was the last time out this early. Um, I think this is another one of these games that will, will one of these teams that now will go in on the, on the list of kind of infamous results for Celtic in Europe. I think it was a, it was a abysmal result. Listen, people will say this is very familiar to the Copenhagen game and back in February, the, the Clues qualifier last year. Go back, AK Athens, Ronnie Dyler's time, Maribor, Malmo. I actually think this might be kind of one of the worst ones because I don't think Ferns Vakos are of a standard of certainly Copenhagen and Cluj. I think uh, they were a decent side. Listen, they, they, they did done well last year in Europe, or well enough. I think they, 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 they won in Moscow against CSKA and they, they drew with Espanyol twice. But these are not teams, these are not the elite teams in Europe. They're decent teams. And Celtic have to be beating these kind of teams in qualifiers. And there's, there's no excuse about before the season started or being a bit cold and all that stuff. And I think these are these are excuses. This team should have been dealt with, and um, and they should have been dealt with last night with room to spare. Um, you can point to the kind of Celtic had twenty seven shots in goal and dominated the game. They did that, yeah, but you can't defend that way in Europe. The way they defended last night, they cannot give goals away against those kind of teams. They also can't miss the chances that they, they missed last night and, and expect to get away with it. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of these, a lot of these, listen, these twenty seven shots in goal and all that stuff looks good on, on the paper, but a lot of these shots are from long for long range and they're yeah. flying over the bar and all that. So don't don't quite buy all that stuff. It wasn't good enough. Uh, it wasn't sharp enough in the final third, and it was and it was poor in their own defensive third, and they paid an extremely high price, and it's it's all too familiar. I mean, Celtic, they see themselves as a Champions League team. Well, well I was going to ask, I was going to ask you that, Michael. Is that is that something that both the people at Celtic and the, and Scottish football in general has to come to terms with? It's been an argument that's that's raged for two or three years, and Celtic will always rail against it and say they're a Champions League club, but the evidence would tell you. I think it was pointed out that the failure to reach the, the group stages in, in, of the Champions League in the last three years, none of them have come in the playoff round. 
No. They haven't no, I mean, even got to the final hurdle before no. the group stages. Is there now an argument <laughs> to say that Celtic are not a Champions League club? Well, they're, they're not because they've only been there twice in the last seven years. So how can you how can they claim to be a Champions League team and have been twice uh, in seven years? It's, it's not. I mean, when you look at the roll call of teams that will put them out, uh, as I said, Maribor and Malmo in the playoff round, AK Athens in the third round, Cluj in the third round, and now the second round. Yeah. Um, so they've been in the group stage it's twice. Regression, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's, that's three years in a row now they haven't been there. And you have to say, well, it's not, that's, these are not, you can maybe have a one-off year where you lose to a team you shouldn't lose to. Five out of seven years is not a one-off. That's a pattern. It's a worrying pattern. Because not one of those five teams are better or have more resources than Celtic. And you can't use this excuse about when you get hammered in Europe by Bayern Munich and all these teams say, well, they've got more money than us. That's fine. It's true. You can't use that excuse when teams who've got less money than you are doing the same to you. It's, yeah. it's just it's not, it's, it's not acceptable. Listen, and I don't think... Listen, this season has got this obsession with 10 in a row and that stuff. I wrote this a few weeks ago that don't lose sight of a bigger picture, that, that Europe has to be the standard for, for, for Celtic at the moment. Um, regardless of 10 in a row and all the carry-on and all the kind of mystique around that, Europe has to be the main aim because that's that's where the club's reputations are formed, where money's made, it's where you attract players, it's how you make, build up players and then sell players. The entire Celtic model is based on performing in Europe. And you've got to say that that, that failure to meet the big group stages again is uh, is not good enough. There's so, um, many aspects, there's so many aspects to this, Michael. <laughs> so many people have got a view on, so many supporters have a view on the, on the whys and the walkfors and the reasons. I, I suppose that the number one question you would ask before you get into all the after-match stuff would be, were Celtic underprepared in terms of personnel? Um, or, you know, is, is what is at Neil Lennon's disposal, you know, should they have been good enough to deal with Ferenc Farrell? Well, I, I, think, I don't think that the, these points are mutually exclusive. I think I think you look at years gone by, you, you always have to deal with certain pitfalls in the qualifiers. Injuries. I mean, Celtic historically in the last five or six years have been getting these qualifiers with no centre halves. So I remember near Beton playing centre half out of nowhere. Uh, I think it was in Astana. I remember Owen O'Connell playing in Owen O'Connell playing in Astana. Um, I mean, you name it. There's there's usually problems along the Tom way. Tom Rogers you, plays at the number nine against Rosenberg. I remember that. James, James no James Forrest put up front against Rosenberg over yeah, the away leg. Tom Rogers played really well. Yep, so they've had problems in the past and you have to overcome them. So I don't think the injury to Hudson Edward is a, was, a, was a blow. It's a huge blow. He's a Celtic's best player. Um, but you can't tell me they've not still got enough enough tools to get past Ferenc Vakos, even with a, full, a false nine. You know, you call it a no striker. The, bigger, the other question is... You're back to Sutton speak from last week. I know, I know. All <laughs> <False laughs> six strikers. It's, the good job he's not on this week. I was going to say, good job he's not here. I'm not got the bandwidth to cope with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then the, big, then the question is, Neil Lennon said that he's two other strikers on the bench. He had £9 million of talent on the bench, strikers. They weren't match fit. Albion, a, a Yeti, yes, hasn't played enough games. You can accept that. But as a wider point, it was a two and a half week Saga to get him signed just two and a half weeks when he was on the beach in Sardinia when he came in training at Lennox Town so there's an issue there he's not up to speed because he wasn't done quick enough right and then you can say listen the player wanted to take time over it and all that stuff like, I get that and I know transfers take time but certainly don't have time in the qualifiers everyone has done it speed everyone has to be lined up months in advance the button has to get pressed quick to get players in the door wasn't done therefore you've got a guy who was in the beach last week and now isn't fit the other issue, you get Patrick Kamala signed for £3.5 million, who signed in January. 
and he's not match fit apparently. Well, I, that that one I must admit, I, 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 that blows my mind. How can you, I mean he's he's played bits and bobs of games. I understand he's not played a lot, but he's not been injured. He's been at the club for nine months. He's come back. We kept getting told he came back like a monster from pre-season, from uh, from lockdown, looking lean, uh, looking um, kind of uh, filled out and looking tough and mean and all that stuff. Not scored in the first day of the season. Not doesn't start. No striker uh, is fit and he's not starting. That that says a lot. I know he's a young lad. Not that young. He's twenty-one years old. Yeah. Um, a Polish under twenty-one international. If he's not playing uh, last night, then I, I, I don't know what's gonna, what his long-term future is. I don't know. It cast doubt on it. So they've got issues. Every year we say the same thing. I know transfers are difficult, but you would just think that at some point they've had the longest layoff in history in terms of pre-season. You it's repeat like offences, Michael, isn't it? It is. It's I repeat offences. It happens season on season. It does, but I, I can't understand for life me why you can't even even get back for first day of pre-season. There's my three new players I wanted to get from last January. Here they're in place. We're hitting the, this, this year they had. I mean, the league season started, so they actually have had a. They can't that excuse about not being um, not being ready is out the window. But again, there's too much dithering, and I listen. To it. I keep saying it. Transfers are difficult. It, negotiations and the finances and all that stuff. It is tricky. But other clubs manage it. They get the business done quick and effectively, and get them in the door. And uh, and if they wanted, this, they want they were desperate to get Albion a, a Yeti. Why did it take three, nearly three weeks from start to finish? Given the uh, fact he was he wasn't on about twelve months ago, but exactly. Neil exactly. said that, that when he signed him, that exactly. he was aware of him twelve months ago. So they would clearly have been aware of the fact that West Ham were prepared to let him go. Yeah. So you know that that's one that, that perhaps could have. But there, been there's, there's, there's two and a half weeks when he's lying in the beach with his phone. He's here talking to his agent in Sardinia when he could have been in the Lennox town. And it's like I don't know. That that's that's a frustration. I think that you can't use that lack of match fitness over new arrivals when it takes so long to come in. Uh, yeah. But even even aside of the new arrivals, I think Celtic should have had enough to beat uh, Ferns Vakos last night. Um, but didn't. But it wasn't because of the striker situation. But it was because of the defending. Yeah. The goals were were, were goals that I mean it's deja vu all over Repeat again. Offences again. It is. Offences again. I mean it's it's a naivety uh, in European football that it seems to be that how how can it happen time and time again? Um, listen, the second goals are, the new, you could tell from the first ten minutes this lot this lot were good in the break. Um, and until they always there's always this feeling that there were one misplaced pass away from getting caught out again. I know they dominated the whole match, but it was that with that impending horror that I, mean, I think the first goal comes from I think Cal McGregor cut inside up in the, the final third, ball cut out, player gets switched, they win a corner kick, the corner kick isn't cleared as a goal, but it came from a breakaway when Celtic were attacking in numbers. And that happened three or four times in the first half early on until they got to grips with it a wee bit. Uh, and then the second half they tired. They only played one game, remember? As yeah. well, so they tired. They actually tired, and a hoof at the park, and it's a it's a goal. Mohamed um, Elhamid, I thought, wasn't great at the goal. I thought, I know he's on a booking, so he's he's, he's worried about getting sent off. But it it it, it yards and time to do something to get yeah. that away from that kind of danger, but didn't. Um, and the ball was in the back of the net, and it's all over. Um, and it's a, Lennon, it's all Lennon's, too familiar. Neil Lennon's held his hands up to the team selection. Um, he, he did it. He said it. He said it's on me um, after the game. So if you move on from that and and, and the, the, the decisions that were made and obviously how Celtic cope without Edward and how they didn't cope without Edward, um, 
some of the post-match comments were, were, were eye-opening, I think, to a few people about, you know, if players don't want to be here, they can go. Um, I, I'm not going to ask you to name individuals, Michael, that's unfair. You probably don't even know, may not know, I don't know. Um, but it's interesting because you were one of the few guys fortunate enough to be in the room, Michael. Um, yeah. Sometimes you get a better take on things when you maybe hear it or see it or see a, a, a man's body language when he's speaking. It's not always quite as, as plain as what it is in black and white when you read it. So just can you give us a wee insight on what you thought just when you were hearing it? Or has it come across as, you know, as, as it sounds? Or it wasn't. What do you think? Listen, you'll see the, you'll see the kind of, t- the kind of tabloid language we all, we all use, right? We all love it, is the kind of uh, ra- raging Neil Lennon or, or furious manager and all that stuff. He, he, he was angry and disappointed at the result. But the, the part he was talking about players who he didn't want to be there, that, was a, that wasn't a, a rant or a, um, or a kind of um, a shouting and balling job, but that was a kind of a cold, calculated message he wanted to get out. He wanted to let, let it be known that there were certain players in the squad who he felt weren't committed to the cause. Um, and that's, that is a, quite a shocking revelation. That's quite alarming, isn't it? It is, because... A lot of supporters, they, they, they would, I they think would not expect that. A, a lot of fans who can't get their head around the fact that, that listen, this is a job for players. I mean, that's, that's not, they can't, play, fans can't accept that anyway, right? They don't, they don't see their club in the same way that the players do, right? It's, it's, it's their job. Um, but there's a certain, as I said, we mentioned this this whole ten in a row thing in the Champions League as well. There's a lot to play for at Celtic, and it's, it's hard to fathom that, that, that anyone would, would be looking for an exit. But that is the reality, and it, and it does sound that there's been a door getting chapped a few times, and the manager's door has been getting chapped a few times by certain players with a view to going, and it's and it's it's kind of riled them up. Who they are. He wouldn't say, and it's, it would probably be unfair to speculate, but we, no, yeah. doubt, we will, no doubt we will. <laughs> um, well, I don't, I don't think, it, I don't, I don't think anyone. I think it is very unfair to speculate on who those players are because that, you know, you, you name one that's wrong, that's very unfair. And yeah. You can flip it into the people or the individuals who there's a lot of interest in, and I think everybody knows who they are. Yeah. Um, Norwich and Edward, Christopher Ayer, Olivier and Cham. You know, these are guys that clubs are looking at uh, from elsewhere. So, if Celtic, you know, the manager's talking about freshening it up, says says the the squad could do with freshening up. I think was was the exact phrase he used. Yeah. Is there a is there a thought process now that he would maybe take that now the Champions League's gone and that money's gone? Is is there a consideration to taking a big bid? Is that a case that Celtic have to or is it a case of just you know just freshening a few faces up, changing things around a wee bit? If there is interest in players, or does he stick by? Does he get the guys who don't want to be there on side? What, what do you think? Do they need to take a bid for someone basically with the money that? Well, bought? well, this is the balancing act that Celtic have to do because Celtic sign these players. I mean, on the promise that they'll, they'll develop them, give them a platform, and then sell them on. So if there is clubs interested in certain players. It, they can't really turn around and say, "Well, you're not going," because that's that's how they're that's what they're bought and under the, the auspices of they're, 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 they're brought into Celtic with a view of of, of moving on eventually. This was so, brought during the Musa Dembele saga, wasn't well, it? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, can't so make the promise of of developing and moving on if you then refuse to move him on. Um, yeah, that so was, yeah, that was a finger that was pointed for that for that one before Dembele got his move. Yeah, and also, and I figure to get to Champions League group stages as a self-fulfilling prophecy as well, because if you look historically through the years, the years that Celtic haven't made it, they have cashed in 
on certain players. And listen, every situation is different. When you go back to Van Dyke, he wanted he'd done his time, wanted to go. Didn't qualify for Champions League, he left. Moussa Dembele, similar, wanted to go. Kieran Tierney again, Celtic hadn't qualified, he left for big money. So it, it tends to be that when Celtic don't qualify, they, they, they tend to cash in on, on, on a player. But all those players that did want did think it was time to go anyway. Yeah. Um, but you can't ignore the fact that the Champions League brings in serious money. And when Celtic don't get the Champions League, it, it doesn't blow a £30 million hole in the finances, but it's money that, that and it's not money that's accounted for or, bank, or, or kind of budgeted for. But it's certainly money they could do with, and it's certainly money they could do with at this point, current time, when there's no fans and games and all that stuff. Uh, and as Neil Lennon uh, said himself, it's also an attraction for players, isn't it? Well, that's, if, that's, if you get to the end of the window and you maybe got an eye on one or two that you would that you would possibly like to get, and you can set them well in the group stages of you know you're in the group stages of the Champions League here, but you can't well, do that now. So that no. Well, this is this is what I was saying. It starts when the model falls down because the model is bring them in, get them to play in the Champions League at the elite level to give them a platform and then sell them for big money. If you don't get that, you don't get to sell them for big money. Really, that that knocks the value down significantly because. When you're showing the highlights reel of a, of a player, when they're showing Musa Dembele's highlight reel, you're showing the, 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 the goals against Man City and all that stuff. You're not really showing the goals against Ross County. Yeah. That's 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 the, the way the, the world works. Yeah. Um when when Olivia and Cham's highlight reels getting shown down south or abroad, it's it's the performance in Rome, it's not the performance at Far Park. That's that's the, the reality of, of the business. Yeah. So by getting bumped out of Europe this early. That is a significant bit of damage in terms of the value of these players and the for because of the platform they're playing on. Yeah. Um. So, I get it. It's, it's difficult because eh? that is that you've got to maintain these players, get to that stage, and then sell them on and keep doing it again. It's difficult, but it it doesn't make an excuse for getting bumped out by teams like Ferenc Vakos. I, I mean, that's I think that's still inexcusable. Um. And I, I, I listen. I, I suspect what will happen is Celtic will go out. Probably get a result of the weekend, and and a lot be forgotten about, and they may get through, they might get through into the groups of the Europa League, and all as well as long as they're challenging the league and up there, and, and on, on course to win the league, it'll be forgotten about. But until they get out of that cycle, the same problem again. Actually, they need to start thinking bigger than than just the domestic kind of dust ups. I think I think this this year was a big opportunity for the Champions League. The one off ties should have been in Celtic's favour. They got two home ties against two um, teams that were inferior. There they should have been two gimmies um, in this, at this stage. They've also got the leagues aren't running. This, this year was the, the, the should have been the most comfortable passage to the Champions League group stages and they blew it. I don't think, and I think it's, it's not just about team selection. It's not just about um, defensive mistakes. It's, it's the whole picture. I think it's, it's, it's recruitment. It's the timings of it. It's the kind of, um, like we say, the players that are wanting away. The whole thing has malfunctioned this year, and it's happened too often. There's also, I think that he's not entirely sure uh, if it's clarified just yet, but I believe there's a case where Celtic may not be seeds in the playoff for the Europa League. So it's no gimme that Celtic will be in the Europa League group stages either. No, I, listen. I don't. Th- I don't think they will be. I mean, listen. You need, you need a degree in. Um, and um, applied mathematics to get to work out the, the um, UEFA coefficient um, system, yeah. but I think they, they could also get a buy in the third round of the playoff. To, um, yeah. I mean, there are two buys into the playoff round, so they could actually avoid playing altogether. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think by virtue of elimination in the second qualifying round of the Champions League <laughs> qualifiers, Celtic do not get seeded in the playoff. I, I no, they don't. I don't, don't because I, th- I think I think the teams that, that come down big into that and, and, the teams that the teams that get the teams that get knocked out of the Champions League qualifier they come down and take the seedings um, yeah. and I think that that means that by the time you get to the playoff round they won't be seeded. I mean, no European thing. football at Celtic Park over a, over a season is unthinkable, surely. Well, you're now you're, you're looking at you're, the next round if they get a tie will be, be pretty easy. Um, he says, but the, next, the playoff round would be uh, potentially a Cluj and Astana, uh, a Liga Warsaw. These kind of these kind of teams, Ludogorets and all these kind of, these kind of teams that they just look of a better standard than 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 Ferenc Vakos. So therefore, absolutely treacherous. So they could theoretically be could be you know, all together um, for the group stages, which would be unthinkable. But it's it's definitely a possibility if they don't if they aren't careful. Um, but listen, a Europa League a season is not a complete disaster. We've seen it last season. It can be a, a pretty enjoyable kind of joint. I mean, last year there were some memorable games, games against Lazio in particular. So it's and not a complete before, utter disaster. Uh, yeah. Cracking game. yeah, yeah. It's not It's not a complete, I mean, disaster. But again, the Champions League is where it's at and that's where the club should be aiming for. Uh, and this, this Champions route, I've said many times, should be a, a more manageable path for Celtic. And they've, they've managed to make a mess of it really um, in, in the last seven years Domestic business will take precedence again on Sunday um, you know, suggesting that getting a Celtic getting a victory Michael might banish some of the blues it's it's going to be quite flat at Celtic Park on Sunday I would guess um, but there is no time for moping around for the, the Celtic players they're just going to have to get straight back on the bike yeah, I mean, it's going to be flat because, again, there's nobody, nobody going to be there. Yeah, um, it's a bit of a silly thing to say that. Wasn't it? Of course, it's going to be flat. There's no fans. <laughs> there's no fans. The government yeah. have ensured that the rugby types take precedence. Yeah, exactly. Listen, no fans on Sunday might, might not be a bad thing after that kind of yeah. result midweek. Um, um, but, listen, that's another issue. I mean, are Celtic struggling with this, this lack of an atmosphere? I don't know. They were a wee bit flat. Uh, at Kilmarnock again in spells at, at Dundee United um, and we need to see what kind of reaction I mean I said Neil Lennon's remarks after the game were, were pretty scathing um, I mean I think I think another line I mean another line he, he said was um, there's some people here that are, are think they're better than they actually are which is that's pretty pretty um, pretty strong stuff Um but listen, it is said because he wants to see you. Yeah, I, think I mean, I don't, I don't want to go back to the, to a point that we've already covered, Michael. But just, just on the on the fact that you said that, do you sense there was a lot of frustration in there, or do you sense you say that's something you want to get out there? And, and how do you think players will react to that? Well, this everyone's is this different. Is... I know everyone's individuals. I get that, but as a, as a general point, how does that work with managers <laughs> to take that tact? Well, listen. We know how managers work. We know that they, they don't they don't waste many words, right? They, they say things for a reason, and he and he said this because he he's maybe seen some signs that he's concerned about and wants a reaction. So, and, and listen, it's a gamble. When managers are that vocal about their squad in public, because it's not something he does very often, Neil. Um, I mean, I think after Saturday's game at Dun United, they said they were fantastic, and then and then Wednesday night, he said some think they're better than they actually are. Yeah. So. He wants. He'll want to see a reaction. I think Sunday could be quite telling. If he gets that reaction, then the words have had the effect, and it's a it's a G up that they, they might have needed. It can go, but it can also go the other way. I mean, players are are, are delicate flowers these days, 
Um, and you might you could, there could be some that, that, that that's not particularly um, receptive to that kind of motivational move. So it'll be interesting. I think I think Sunday will be quite telling. If they go out all guns blazing and stick five past Motherwell, then it's job done. It's uh, the decks have been cleared and and the uh, and they're back in business. But yeah. if it's another kind of toiling afternoon, then that's a, that, that's a concern you down the line because it's um, when you go to that kind of that kind of uh, managerial bag of tricks this early in the season, um, it has to have an effect. Otherwise, it can be cause a bit more damage than it's worth. Well, Michael, thank you for allowing us to dip into your bag of tricks this week. Um, <laughs> when we speak to you again, all will be revealed in what happened in Sunday's game against Motherwell. Uh, you'll be back next week. Uh, Big Chris Sutton will be joining us again next week. So thank you for your time, Michael. Much appreciated. Good man, no problem. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Good luck.